Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Deb with Media Night Radio. I know it's been a while, but um, I have the pleasure of speaking with Tristan Rogers again on today's show. Daytime audiences recognize Tristan from his portrayal of WSB agent, of course, Robert Scorpio, on the Emmy Award-winning daytime drama General Hospital, and Colin Atkinson on the number one daytime drama Young and the Restless. In addition to his daytime jobs, he's not busy enough with that. Tristan has also been portraying Commissioner Lex Martin on the web-based series The Bay, which is now available on Amazon Prime, which is fantastic. Uh, We will talk to Tristan about his years in daytime and his many experiences in the business. Let's get right to it. Let's welcome Tristan Rogers. Hi, Tristan. Hey, baby. What's happening? (laughs) Not much. Are you enjoying this beautiful uh, Sunday afternoon? Well, you know, I I live in Palm Springs, and, like, for summer down here is, like, an introduction to hell. <laughs> and now that now that summer is departing, we're getting into the really nice weather. We're getting into the weather that we put up with summer for, you know. Right, and, right. And so it's it's beautiful down here right now. So oh, I bet it is. Uh, what is it in the seventies? Yeah, mid seventies. Oh, please, you know, just good. Yeah. Not like the, it's been about 115 to 120 for like days and days. I mean, and that wears thin. Uh, yeah, no relief I, from it. Uh, uh-uh. well, you live in air conditioning all the time. Oh yeah, and I hate that. I mean, yeah. uh, air conditioning does me no good at all. No, uh, it messes I, up my sinuses and messes up my throat, and I hate the stuff. Oh, I know. I hear you. That yeah, I live in the marina myself, so I have that nice ocean breeze right now. Oh yeah. Actually, we were down there filming the other night. Oh, were you? Yeah, we did the bay down there the other night. We had uh, uh, a series of shots to do on one of the boats there, myself and uh, Mary Beth Evans. Oh, and it nice. was very nice. Oh, very nice. yeah. Okay, so um, you've, you've returned to both General Hospital and Young and the Restless a few times now, and you know, when you return, what is like the the biggest differences that you see when when you come back? I mean, because there's all these changes in soap operas right now. I mean, there's been tons of changes, and they it just keeps changing and changing and changing. Do you right. find that there's anything that is changing, and are are you finding that the use of history is not being really like? Um, <sighs> How do you respected? Say? Yes, that's the word. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think this is um, this is endemic on all of the shows. There, there seems to be this. Everyone's forgotten what the roots of the shows were, characters, etc. And the very roots of the show goes back to the formula of what daytime soap is really all about. It's, right. it's it's that legacy of the veteran characters that started off, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and you've watched their character grow and evolve and go through the trials and tribulations of whatever they've gone through. And you know, you've become a part of that. Then all of a sudden, you'll have some new producer and new head writer that comes on in this era now and says, 
Oh, well, maybe we should change that. Now, you never got this back in the 80s. No. This is a relatively new thing that's happened over the last 10 to 15 years. And 10, 15 years in daytime soap is not a whole lot of time. Uh, so we've seen this many, many times now in the shows where you have a new producer who comes in and says, okay, instead of driving the car forward, we're now going to drive the car backwards. Right. And you say, well, okay, what leads us to do that? What, what, what are the series of events that bring that about, which is a reasonable question? And the producer look at you and go, well, I don't know. I just feel like doing it. You know, you go, what the fuck? <laughs> and this, this becomes like a real knee-jerk thing. And you've been doing one thing, and all of a sudden, now you're doing another thing, but there's no explanation as to why it's happening. And every show out there is guilty of this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so, Tristan, I mean, take take you, you know, for example, now, you have worked with the incredible Gloria Monti. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who's been – you can't talk about anybody in her league because she was just a league of her own. The and great thing about Gloria, let me just yeah. butt in while it floats into my head. The great thing that Gloria had that none of the other great producers had. And when I say other great producers, I'm talking about the Doug Marlins and the Bill Bells and one or two others. Gloria was unique in one thing, and that is she really understood story in a way that none of the others did. They understood mm-hmm. the story but they had their own pacing. Gloria knew how to pace a show in a different way to keep you completely engaged. You couldn't wait for the next day to come on. And that was because she took a story, and it might have been a stupid story. Come on, nothing could be sillier than the ice cream says. But, you know, everybody was rooted to the television set looking at the antics of all these people because... She understood story, and she had a group of people around her who understood her whimsical way. And when that fractured at the end of 1981, it was gone. Yeah. It was gone. Well, well, what were the, like, the differences? I mean, I mean, you have been involved in stories like, okay, okay, the Ice Princess was this, this rock on a, <laughs> on a spindle and it and it you know oh yeah yeah don't try to quantify it. don't try to don't try to find anything intelligent about it it was pure entertainment for entertainment's sake and everybody right. jumped on the everybody got it everybody jumped on the bandwagon and said you know look we know this is nonsense but it's great nonsense Exactly. Well, and then after after that, I mean, one of the one of the like best storylines after that was the Prometheus disc. Now, the Prometheus disc is was kind of ahead of its time. You have to admit. Yeah, you're right. Well, Complete. we did a lot of things ahead of our. We did a lot of things ahead of our time. Robert had the first video telephone. Ever. Yes. Yes. Robert was the first person to be using electronics and have that computer room. Nobody that's, had a computer room like that. No, that's true. Oh, I didn't even think about that, Tristan. That's true. So, and also, he could look into other people and just you 
we never bothered to think about, well, wait a minute. How's he doing this video thing here? I mean, how does that work? Don't try to figure it out technically. The first time I ever saw that happen was in a 1950s television show, a 30-minute show called Jet Jackson. Over, that's what it was called in Australia. Back in the U.S., it was called the, the Secret Squadron. Ah. It, was called, yeah, it was called the Secret Squadron here. But this guy, and he was a famous actor who'd done a lot of movies that kind of finished up doing this show. And uh, he had this video phone. And, you know, it was in the 50s. And it was, you thought, wow. That's different. But, you know, we didn't see that again until Robert Scorpio circa 1983. Yeah. So, yeah, we did a lot of stuff like that. I was encouraged. Uh, Ever I saw a gadget felt would work to go out and buy it and bring it in. And uh, Seiko had just brought out the first video watch. And it was a kind of a cumbersome thing. It was a watch, but the screen itself was like only about an inch square. Right. And um, you, 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 you had to wear the transmitter on your belt, and it was attached because there was no such thing as wireless back then. It right. was attached by a lead that went up your sleeve and plugged into this thing. So I bring that into the studio. It wasn't cheap either. I bring it into the studio. They immediately give me a receipt for it. And oh. I said, okay. So one of the guys comes up and says, yeah, I can make this work. So he's got a camera up on the set. And I race into Gloria's office. And I said, look at this. And she's going, look at what? I said, there's the watch. Yeah, look at it. And he said, okay, it's a watch. I said, no, 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 no. Look at the picture on the watch. That's upstairs. I said, next to Dick Tracy, I'm the only guy that's got anything like this. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. I said, okay, I guess that's a no-hitter there. (laughs) It just faded into oblivion. Some of the stuff she got, some of the stuff she didn't get. The name WSB, uh, that came from the writing department, but they had me down as Agent X1. I said, come on, this sounds like something out of a... a Mighty Mouse cartoon. I said, X1. I said, let's call him CK8. Oh, said, so CK you came up with for? that. I came up with that. I said, oh. I said it stands for can kill. Oh. He can't have a double O rating because that's already been done. But I said, right. he can have a CK rating and there can be nine other guys or 10 other guys with similar ratings. Right. And that's how CK8 came about. How did TR-733 come about? TR-733, Connie's? Your, your, yeah, she was TR-733. No, uh, that was a different rating. Um, ah. But I was the only CK that they ever used on the show. Wow. There might have been a CK-7. There might have been a CK-7 in the early stages, 1981, but it never went any further than that. And after after Scorpio pulled out of the uh, WSB, that was the last you ever heard of it. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's really. I mean, what has been your favorite storyline? I mean, 
things have changed so much for the character of Robert. I mean, you have, you know, his character has gone from way over there to way over here in yeah. whatever, 25, 30 years, whatever it is. And it's diabolically opposite of each other. So tell me, <laughs> I can, I can imagine this is that, that problem we get back to. This is the problem we get back to when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, writers coming. The person who did the most damage to the show, and they, it's something they'd never got over, was Bob Guzer. Yes. He came in with a totally different vision for everything. He brought in the mob, et cetera, et cetera. Gloria right. Monty would never have gone along with that. No. She would have gone along with the mob, but not, not the way that he saw it. This guy came across to me as somebody who was frustrated at not being employed by the Sopranos, you know? Yeah, well... So, also, I mean, I I I noticed that he was he was one of the scriptwriters on the Prometheus disc story. Oh, he was a he good and writer. Charles. Yeah, he was a good writer. He was just a lousy head writer. That's all. He, yeah, he couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't see the whole show. All he could see is one storyline. Right, right. And, and then that were, was the if problem. If you weren't in that story, yeah. If you weren't in that storyline, then screw you, Charlie. That's that's exactly right. You were screwed. So now that we've, you know, established that, what was your favorite storyline over these years? I think I'd have to go back to the Ice Princess because it was pure pure nonsense. (laughs) It was total nonsense. Also, the lead up to the story itself was very interesting. Mm -hmm. We went to that was about a seven month storyline. And it was done in a very interesting way. It was fleshed out. We went in many different directions. We, we we would come up with something, and then that would uh, go somewhere else, and then finally another part of the puzzle would be laid bare, and then you you had you know the link up between Robert and Luke and, and Laura, uh, and then you had you know the killing of O'Reilly. They weren't they weren't scared back then to kill off beloved characters. No. For effect. Oh, absolutely. I mean, O'Reilly was a huge one. Yeah. I mean, because she was so unusual. I mean, when when they first brought her on, it was only meant to be about two days, and then it became so, the chemistry was so much there, and it was so engaging. They said, oh, we can't let this go. She stayed on for uh, about six weeks. And people still think about it. Oh, when they I'm, killed I'm, her off, that that took everybody by surprise. Oh, of course, because Nobody I mean that to happen. Mm-mm, mm-mm. What? Um, what? Okay. What about Gloria's style of producing? Is like, can you give me like, in other words, what was it about Gloria's style of producing that was so phenomenal? Not that she just understood the story because she did in every aspect of, of the, of the, of, of the way, but what in particular, Tristan? She had a wonderful attention to detail, emotional detail. And, uh, generally her stuff, she would direct certain things she was in the booth all the time, but you know, she would direct, Certain things were her favorites. And, you know, a lot of that was myself, Tony, and Jean. Right. So uh, she would come down onto the set 
and you know Tony and I were were uh, rampant at changing things, but you had to be careful how you change things. Right. Uh, this has been kind of taken out of proportion, but we never did anything that wasn't usable. Whether it was used is a different altogether, but we generally tended to go for things to make them to to make them more entertaining rather than just be coming out with, with, with information. And back then when you had a six or seven month storyline, the, the information that came out was painfully slow. I mean, you didn't divulge a whole lot, even though in that things you could have divulged, but we tended to skirt around certain things. Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden in the last two weeks of the story, there'd be this tidal wave of, information would bombard the viewer to the point, you know, where they'd become numb. Right. And uh, her ability was to come down on the set and take a scene and then make all the individual actors react to certain things in a different way that they were doing. And she had this ability to see the story in a much bigger picture than we did. I mean, we saw the thing, you know, we were dealing with script every day, so you tended to just, you know, deal with the story at that particular moment. And then after you'd finished with it, bump. Okay, move on to the next scene and totally wipe it out of your mind. Don't dwell on it. She would actually recall everything. She was like a, you know, walking computer. And you could ask her about stuff, about detailed stuff that had happened, you know, three months ago. And she would sit back and clarify it for you in terms of why what was done back then was relevant now. Because wow. these questions came up constantly. You don't get any of this now. Stories are no. begun, they, they get into development, and generally they don't end because everyone's gotten bored with them after three weeks and say, so let's move on to something else. And or, I can't tell you how many of those I've been involved with. Oh, my God, I, I know. Or they just drop and you don't hear about it anymore and all of a sudden there's no story. Well, well what happened with whatever? Yeah, <laughs> that's the most popular way of dealing with it. You know, mm-hmm. don't deal, deal with it at all. So you get, you're you just left hanging and, you know, you can't assume that the audience are idiots. They, they, no. they watch this thing and they pull it apart, you know, a whole different way to what you understand or what's even on the, what's even in the writing. This is the thing I've noticed now. There was a, I I participated in a book for MIT called the survival of soap opera. This was done about three or four years, four years ago. And, uh, there's a really, there's a really high end faculty in MIT that deals with soaps and watches soaps. And implies meanings to them in ways that us mortals can't even begin to understand. Right. And so when they launched the book, they had a, a, they launched it down at the Bonaventure Hotel downtown. And uh, I was invited to go down and sit in the panel. And it was packed. Mm -hmm. And the degree of questions that they were asking me, I was hard pressed to answer. I'm going, how did you possibly get that from what was just written on the page? 
<laughs> I said, I, I know this scene. I played it. And trust me, that's not what was going through in my mind when I was playing it. <laughs> and they just kind of laughed. <laughs> they have a, their whole interpretation of what yeah. soap is all about and, and the meaning of it. It's, it's a whole different language almost. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, now w- with Robert coming back and going, going, going back and forth and back and forth, um, what is his motivations now? I mean, they've kind of taken everything away from him. He doesn't yeah. have much left. I mean, he doesn't have a, a, a woman in his life anymore. He doesn't, right. you know, Anna's, you know, too busy, you know, blubbering over, over Duke for a year, yeah. um, which no one understands, by the way. Um, and, you know, Robin is off doing, you know, now she's in California. She was missing for a while. So what is his motivation now? Is his, is his life just his work now? That's, that's it? There isn't a motivation. I basically sit down and look at everything on a moment-by-moment basis and give an intelligent read, and that's the motivation. Trying to use history trying to draw on things from the past don't work anymore. So what you're seeing is the show is in the moment. It's not anywhere else. It's just in the moment. And this is the sad thing about soaps. And this is one of the reasons they're all dying. But, but isn't that, doesn't that go against, I mean, obviously we've had this discussion before, but doesn't that go against what soap operas are all about? Isn't it about history? Isn't it about the relationships in the past, in the present? What you know, what you're going to do down the road? Everything about that. Well, I think I think uh, Young and the Restless uh, a little more diligent about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't speak for. Uh, days of our lives, I do believe they do pay more attention to history. Yeah. But at the bottom of the, the general hospitals at the bottom of the ladder when it comes to dealing with legacy characters, uh, looking at veterans, applying storylines. And the one thing I laugh about every day is that Gloria Monty's shadow still looms big over that show because they're still dealing with storylines that she created Back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I yep. say, couldn't, can't you people think for yourselves? You can't get away from this. Mm-mm. You can't establish new ground. I guess not. No. What, what, what in particular are you talking about? Like what storyline? I mean, there's still. Well, the Cassidines are still around. Yeah. The Cassidines were all wiped out on the island. Mm-hmm. There were none left after that. The right. Cassidines were brought back to life. Mm-hmm. Um Oh my God! Then we went through a series of storylines that they 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 brought back and oh Frank Smith Frank Smith okay there's a good one um, there's other I thought like I thought they killed Frank Smith off they did finally but then they had somebody else and Jennifer Smith went through two actresses she wasn't killed or anything one was Sally Struthers. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, 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 I get numb about the whole thing. But, I mean, those storylines were great when they were there. And, okay, they came and they went. 
But right. you know, I'm surprised they haven't brought back the left-handed boy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, that'd be a natural. You know, make him a right-handed boy. Make him a no-handed boy now. You know. <laughs> well, you know, you know, um, Tristan, what I have figured out or what I am starting to see is that nobody wants to write original stories anymore. They well, just want it comes to comes back take... to uh, this brings to, this brings up a very interesting thing, and probably it applies more to General Hospital than any of the other shows out there. But it comes back. The question is, who's running the show? <laughs> uh, uh, well, so, I, you know, if, if you want my Facebook opinion, bunch in a room over business. You know, <laughs> there you go. How it comes down to that's, is, there that's no exactly, understanding of the show. None. None, and they're and they're bringing in people uh, that don't understand the show either, or that yeah. haven't haven't had the history, the rich history that GH is created on. Oh, that rich history is gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone. Oh, I know. Uh, I know. You, know, uh, you trying to go ahead. Go on. No, no. Go. <laughs> um, do you ever get to talk to Tony about all of the changes and all of the, <clears throat> I mean, I, I can imagine that he probably had had enough. I don't know. He and I used to speak about once a year when I would go in there and, you know, we'd, we'd move off to one side and go back to his dressing room and sit back and talk for about 40 minutes or longer. And he was pissed, no question about it. He was distressed at what had happened, um, how things had gone the way they'd gone. Um, and, you know, finally, yes, you're right, he'd had enough. Yeah, because, I mean, they took his character, just as they've taken Robert's character, in a totally, you know, I know there's not, you know, he's been on the show forever, and, and, and I know that characters are there, and but you don't have to take them so far into outer space that you, that the audience doesn't even recognize what they're looking at anymore. Well, it's a basic thumbing the nose to the audience. Yeah. This is what we get into in the end. It's, you know, well, is anybody looking at the ratings? Is anybody looking at any of the mail or comments on stories going online, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the answer to that question was no, and you know, we don't care anyway. Right, right, because they're going to do what they want to do anyway. But, you know, uh, when you sort of you work on that show and you go over to Young and the Restless, it's a whole different animal. Right, and actually that leads me to my next question. You worked under Jill at GH, and then she yep. was over at Young and the Restless. Was there a different style that she like employed at Young and the Restless as opposed to GH um, for playing the two totally different characters? I mean, did you see a difference in the way she approached it? Not so much. Not really. Um, I don't know exactly how much say Jill had. Uh, oh. Angelica McDaniel seems to have more say over the, the VP of Dayton. Um so that was a question a lot of people asked. But, you know, did I notice a difference? And I said, no, not really, no. I mean, she'd come down the floor and walk around and chat to you, et cetera, et cetera. But 
I, I don't know whether she had a lot of input when it came to story. I don't know whether she had a lot of input over at uh, General Hospital. I think that was pretty much Bob Goose's domain. He, he ran that. That's true. Yeah. Now, now, were you able to work with the new executive producer at Young and the Restless, Mal Young? Briefly. There's no question about it. Here's a guy that really understands the genre, understands how it's put together, respects it, respects the history. And he's introduced little things here and there and changed a lot of stuff which would not be readily apparent to a viewer. But there's no question about it. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's a different show. But then you ask yourself, well, wait a minute, that'd be number one for 20 years. What the hell? <laughs> so, so there you go. You know, I mean, it's a better show. But okay, so now is it, is it much better? Because you're number one. Where else can you go? But, you know, when you look what? at that show, you look at the demographic and the way it's put together, it's, it's just different, totally different. Right. Well, and it doesn't have – it doesn't uh, – it, it concentrates on relationships. That's the one thing that Young and the Restless has never gotten away from, no matter what they yes. told. Yep. Interpersonal relationships are what run the story. Absolutely. That's not the case at – General Hospital. It's much no. more action orientated there. Well, so that it always was. Well, what what do you feel is like? Do you feel like they're plot driven now or story driven at General Hospital now? I mean, plot driven or character driven? Excuse me. I mean, definitely not character driven. No. Uh, it's been plot driven for you know, as long as I can remember, at least. No, throughout the uh, throughout from from when I went back in two thousand and six, uh, it was just plot, plot, plot. Some of it was interesting. It could have gone further, but uh, you know, it had Goose's hand heavily, right, guiding it. So. Well, now now character driven stories are better, aren't they? Aren't they better told stories? For the most part, yes. When they get and into the real nuts and bolts of the character, what we have today is that the characters are very thin. You know, you you you, you might recognize certain traits about of a character. And go, yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd like to see more of that. And bang, it's gone. That character's walked out the door and taken that interesting trait with him. And when he comes back, he might have a whole Right. That's what the frustrating thing is. That's what I think really pisses viewers off. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, because because what they see is one thing and then and then a couple of weeks or a month later they're in a totally different perspective. Mhm. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Okay, so Colin is not on the air right now, but you know, we know Colin is always lurking in Genoa City. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um where what is what is Colin's motivations these days? I mean, I know Jill, he loves her and all of that, but is he just a con man? I mean, is he just what is he doing? This is an interesting question, and I don't have an answer for it. Oh, because uh, it's never spelled out. Um, you see different sides of him. 
I mean, that scene that he has with Jack when he's explaining, you know, where Jack's trying to tempt him with the money and with a yes. huge degree of self-control, he manages to pull himself away from that. And then he sits down with Jack and says, you know, you and I are similar in one particular way. We both need women in our lives. And it was a really telling moment. Right. And they could have done more with that, but it never happened. Never happened. So we don't know when Colin is going to appear. He hasn't been mentioned on the show. We don't know. And I, I, I don't have an answer to the question. In terms of development, I guess, you know, what I'm doing on the Bay is probably more interesting at the moment. And, yeah, and uh, we're getting to that right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is, what is, yeah. What is this? They're going to be on Amazon prime now. How does that change everything now? Well, it gives us access to, uh, viewers in a different way that we had before it's a you know it's a definitely a multi-step up um and in that respect the story has become uh you know one thing about the bay is that we have one story and we flesh it various different ways mm-hmm. and that's what i like that yeah. kind of goes back to the roots of what I, I was used to when I started on General Hospital. Right. And what what we've got now is the story about, you know, Sarah's character accused of murder and we get into a court case uh, about, you know, how this came about. And in the meantime, all these other characters come out of their background, which, you know, Christos, Pete's character, discovers that the father he thought was his father wasn't his father and that there's another man in Sarah's life that she was connected to and she doesn't want to be connected to anymore. And she's got this husband still who uh, she can't get rid of at the moment. And Lex tells her, let's not try to get rid of him because he can't testify against you. Uh, so the story is evolving in a more interesting way, but it, it hasn't trampled on the characters. Right. So we'll see how that continues to evolve. And you're enjoying that. Obviously, you're enjoying the character that you're playing. Yeah, well, it, it, and, and this can go either way. You know, this can change at a pencil stroke. Uh, but, you know... They're evolving the relationship between Lex and Sarah. Um, I'd like to see Lex doing more police work. Uh, it seems like you know he's paying an undue amount of attention to Sarah during this court case, whereas I feel he should be he should have a more hands-on approach to the investigation because they're finding out all this stuff, and uh, probably it's not going to come to light until we get into after this season. So we're talking about the season after this in many oh, respects. Wow. So, yeah, they're planning for the long haul, there, which is a good thing. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, do you take, do you take like, Robert Scorpio with you into that? 
Well, I guess we can take some of them. Uh, yeah, commissioner, when he was commissioner. <laughs> yeah. We can take some of it into it. Uh, how that's going to evolve, I don't know. I don't think they've thought that far ahead. They just finished this season, and they've got to cut that together and see how it looks, etc. We haven't finished it yet, actually, because I put a crimp in that by announcing I was going back to Australia at the end of this week. Oh, to, for team up to see my mother. So oh. that ended that. So we can't get into the court case completely oh. until I come back uh, at the end of the month. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, well, at least, at least you know, uh, you, you get to go home and see mom, though. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that so much. Yeah, absolutely. So, um well, you know, obviously the Bay sounds exciting for fans, and, and I think that it'll also find a different um, group of fans. You know, you'll, you'll find a yeah. different array of fans as well because it'll be more accessible. Yeah, I hope we continue to build on the fan base out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, is there is – there, what, what, what character, if any – uh, would you want to play if you had a chance? Any character? Yeah, somebody asked me this question and I had an answer for it. I've forgotten what the answer was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, you look around at what's on television now, and I'm afraid that I, I don't get all that stimulated. Mm-mm. But uh, I find still the most interesting character was probably um, Indiana Jones. Oh, yes. I think anything ah. that Harrison Ford does is interesting. Absolutely. But, yeah, I would have gone for that one. Now, uh, you know they're making another one. Yeah. <laughs> that should be good. Um, yeah. Okay, Okay. so... Uh, in respect to the business, I mean, you've been in the business for a long, long time. Is there any other position you would like to delve into, like behind the I'm, camera I'm, or whatever? I'm, I'm kind of not one that really wants to spend a lot of time behind the camera, but as I get older, I think in terms of, yeah, there might be a couple of things I'd like to do behind the camera. Um uh, you know, feel that I feel that daytime soaps are over, but the genre is still very much alive. Right. So I, I really would like to see it go the next step, the next distance. We did it. We did it when we um, we shot. Uh, Night Shift. Night Shift was the next involvement of daytime serial drama. It had right. a lot of things in it which were owed to movies and primetime television. Right. Scripting, editing, lighting, how the camera was set up, etc., etc. And uh, that could have been the next step in daytime. But there was never a plan behind it, so it, it failed. 
Right. But I'd like to see something like that. I'd like to be the progenitor of something like that with an interesting story. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Would you, would you say that you would like to take on, if you could, would you like to take on the position of like an executive producer on something? Do you feel like you have what it takes because you've been in this, this genre for so long and you you know, you, you've been everywhere. Yeah, I could do that. But it would have to be a new project. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't want to touch any of the existing shows. Too much baggage. Right, right. Yeah, you're fighting too much. But oh, to absolutely. start with a from scratch with something new and interesting and current in terms of its terminology and storyline, yeah, I'd go for that. Okay, so guys, so go find a project for Chris, Tristan to be an executive producer on. Oh, <laughs> That's I've what I say. Projects. I have a couple of projects which haven't oh. been done before the way oh. that I would want to do them. Um, oh. And one of them is being touted around at the moment. I don't know quite what would happen or how it's being done, but it's, you know, I've taken a meeting on it. And we'll see if it goes any further than that. I mean, talk is cheap. Yeah, especially here. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Kimberly, Kimberly McCullough, who plays your, who played your daughter on the show forever, uh, she's now a director. What do you mm-hmm. have you seen some of her work? How is it? How how does she do? I've heard she's really good, but I've not seen any work. I mean, oh. she's directed some good stuff. Well, that's great. But um, I, I haven't seen it. Okay. We were yeah, talking. I mean, we had a pro- we had a project going called Reality Bites. Oh. A few years ago, and uh, had a script and everything. And uh, we it was an hour show. It was a pretty ambitious project. And we cast it, and we earmarked her to be the director. Oh, and um, then all of a sudden, uh, one of the principal members of the production crew went into a total meltdown, and that was the end of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's no fun. No, that better was... that it happened off camera than after we started shooting. That's, and yeah, everybody that's... looked at one another and said, my God, we were lucky on that one. So, yeah. But it was too bad because it was a good project. Um, what, what story, uh, you know, since, since you've done Joe hospital and young and the restless and you're doing the day, what story do you feel hasn't been written for Colin and hasn't been written for Robert? Well, certainly for Colin, we really haven't gone into his background at all. I mean, this guy's supposed to be a criminal. You don't get that feeling. It started out that way, but then we veered away from that. Uh, right. And so, you know, more about his... We we touched on the idea at one point where Jill kind of enjoyed his laughingness background because there's a bit of that in her anyway. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to expand upon that. Never happened. In terms of Robert, I don't know, he's... He's such a shadow now that mm-hmm. 
he's not integrated in any way into the, the story. One is you've got to integrate him into the story, and then you can look at the question you're talking about, well, what part of his background do we bring out? But right now, he's, he's a non-entity. And that's sad because yeah. because that's that's what that show is all about. I mean, they're they're they're. I mean, even Jeannie coming back as Laura, she has nothing compared to what she had before. I mean, no. her character is nothing compared to what it was before. Yep. And, that, and that's uh, got to be. I'm not going to get into why that is, but however. Okay. I, I got you. Um, that's that's it, it's just it's just sad that that the history has not been you know respected and because I mean with the show the way it is you know you do better to you know rewind it like I don't know ten years and yeah, go from there least. Least. you know and 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 do like a Cassidine I don't know. You can always do a brainwashing thing that it was an alternate re- reality or something, you know. And I bring in bring... a whole lot of new characters coming from different areas. Mm-hmm. I look at everybody there and say, okay, what was in this person's background? All right, let's bring in this person. I think the first place you've got to start is to rebuild the quarter mains. Every state's oh. got a dysfunctional, wealthy family. And that mm-hmm. one is just non-existent. That's mm-hmm. got to be rebuilt. And there's plenty of people in the background that can do that. You oh, can yeah. draw on for that one. But it's, it's got to be written consciously. Right. Right. And and that's that's the thing about it is that they're not, they don't have any kind of, yeah. There's no it, balance. No. There's, there's no balance there at all. Uh, you can have the mob. In fact, right now they're a part of the scene. But the mob have got to be balanced out, department. And then it flip-flops back and forth. The mob win one, the police department win one. Right. But you don't have a town run by the mob. Right. Not. Well, and also, I mean, I mean, you watch, you watch what, back in the day when the police department was under, like, for instance, Commissioner Scorpio, and you watch it now, and it's like Keystone Cops is what it is now. I mean, it's exactly it, what it is. Yeah. It's, it's a joke. And, and at least like before there would be a strong police presence and actually there would be some solving of some cases and getting the bad guys. Now yeah, it's a Gloria Monty era. You know, that was yeah. Gloria saw that, that thing. And where's Kenny did too, to a great degree, but the limited time that he was there, he got that. Oh, oh. oh okay. There was another guy too, Joe Hardy, uh, who was there for a year, and they should never have got rid of him. Uh, but you know, Gloria said, "I'll come back," and all of a sudden, everybody saw dollar signs floating around in front of them. You know, we're going to go back to the '80s, but boom, it's going to be money, money, money. Well, of course, it wasn't that way at all. No. But no. Joe Hardy would have kept the show going in. A solid direction. I think it was Joe was the last. It was Joe was the last producer to actually get the show to number one. And after really? That, that was the end. Of, yeah, he was the last one. 
There was a storyline about uh, Robert's death. He gets shot, and then they keep him that way. They keep him dead. And he's going undercover to try to find out what would happen. I remember that they put me in a body bag, and that was scary. Oh, I bet it was. Yeah. Oh, I bet it was. So, I would probably have but, to take some Xanax. <laughs> he was, but, you know, I, I, I liked working with Joe. He really understood actors, and it was... I think he was really shocked when they fired him. Yeah, but probably. Was, yeah. Well, do you feel that that obviously the morale on the set must must be affected by the fact that, like you're saying, that your character is like a shadow? It must not feel like it did before when you would go in and act and and be a part of a show like that. Um, it's more like just okay, click, 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 click. Okay, we're done. Bye. See well, you later. As an actor, as an actor, you don't want to feel like that. You don't right. ever want to get into that glib way. So you constantly look for things to improve upon in the story and, and to bring to that story. And to, you know, for the brief moment that you're on camera, that you know, to make your character entertaining and come alive. Uh, you're always aware that things are not what they used to be. I mean, especially myself. There aren't too many people on the show left from my era. Right. Um, Leslie Charlson, I think. Um, uh, Jane. Um, my brother, when he's there. Um, yeah. But yeah, but you can count them on one hand. Right. And you know, uh, I remember when Wes Kenny started, and you know, a lot of people weren't happy about that. They didn't feel he was the right person, had the right sensibilities for the job. But he actually, he did. He had a good understanding of story. But I, I remember walking up to the set after you know a month or two and. I turned to somebody and I said, one of these days you'll look back on this time fondly. And I was right. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't, you can't uh, live in the past. And it's um, not a good thing to go back in time. But there's no reason why things can't evolve. I mean, Right. But you don't have to... Right, you don't have to throw away the baby with the bathwater. No, you no, can, exactly. you, you can, yeah, you can make it right. Well, you and Tony did a lot of ad libbing, right? Did you go do a lot of ad libbing on we, set? We would, we would massage the script as we <laughs> to tell people. <laughs> now, so, so you guys must have had some sort of uh, partay then. To know what the other was going to say or around the same vein, was that easier to play it that way or, or was it easier to do the script? First thing in the morning, we would get together before we even got up on the set while I were doing blocking and we'd go, okay, what do you want to do here? And I already had an idea what I want to do and I, well, he might have an idea what he wants to do. And if I would say, look, I'd like to do this, 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 he'd go, oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. You do that. I can do this and this and this and this and this. 
you had to be mindful of the story that you weren't trampling on the storyline. And points right. and Gloria would come down and tell you quickly if you were. Okay. So she would come out after we did our stuff during taping and she'd come down and go, okay, you two, come in. Um, now, you've got to get this point in. This point's important because there's storyline coming out tomorrow which directly reflects on this. And in a week's time, we've got something going on here and this point comes becomes a, a lot clearer. And this here, you, you can't say that like that because that's that doesn't work. So find another way to say it. So, and this here is, this, be careful what you do here. Just make sure you stress it and the rest of it, just do what you like. Bang. And then she'd walk off. And so that's why you got a lot of the craziness that you got. I mean, we got the point across, we got the storyline across, but it was always entertaining because it always looked like, hey, look, they look like they're having a really good time. Well, guess what? Absolutely. We were. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the one thing that you don't see a lot of right now in mm. any in any no. any show. Any kind of laughter or humor is totally mm-hmm. verboten. Yeah. Yeah, it's all because about I mean, and dram and tribulations and hard hardness and, and and miserable life and you know the troubles and the trauma you've got to go through. Come on, it's not that bad. No, no, and that that's the thing is that. Um, you brought a lot of humor to um, Robert because Robert could have been just a really like dour person. Yeah. You're absolutely yes. right. Yes. Uh, yes. But also, I I got to do that with Colin too. Yeah, I was going to say Colin is 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 a, a direct result of you. And they allowed that to happen. I, at the time, Paul Roush was the EP. Oh. And, you know, he and I went way back. We, we never worked together, but we were both car guys. And uh, I'd come on and do my thing, and then I'd go into the booth, and we'd sit and talk about cars. Oh, that's and then, awesome. And then um, I guess I'd been there a couple of months, and everybody said to me, you know what? You're not as under the gun as we are. He said, you get away with hell. He never says anything to you. You change the script, you add shit, nothing ever. He said, we change a comma. And we get jumped on. I said, I don't know. I said, I've never noticed. Uh, and there you go. I was, I was really upset when you know, I found out he had cancer. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. That's, that's, but, that's hard. That was a moment that they allowed that to happen because I only signed on for 10 shows. That's all they wanted. And then all of a sudden there was a contract in front of me. Right, because people took to the character. They really liked him. <clears throat> they thought, this is a bad guy, but he's a likable bad guy. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's kind of how it was summed up. Well, and 30 years later, you're still playing him. Yeah. Yeah, when I'm allowed to. <laughs> yeah, when you're allowed to play his shadow now, when you have well, to be yeah. told what to do. Well, you know, if, if you're not there, then you can't defend yourself. You can't, you can't argue your character's relevance. You've got to go, okay, well, I'm not there. 
Right, but you also have to have people in charge that that know that the actors know who their characters are, and they know a lot better than you do. I think that uh, you know, there's so many actors, and the cast have been allowed to balloon to a point, and I think that's half your problem. Yeah. You know, Judith Chapman's about to go back on. Well, she hasn't been on for over three years. Oh, my God. And that's because they brought back. I think it's been longer. And uh, and then, you know, just because they brought back Kay Alden to write. Well, you know, the writers come in and they've got their favorites. Yeah. That's what happens. Count on it. And it's not a bad thing. But uh, it's like, you know, well, are we getting rid of these people to accommodate these? Constantly have to ask yourself these questions. But, you know, when you're dealing with the number one show, you can't do any wrong. Right. But do you feel like that 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 new characters are brought on the show unnecessarily sometimes? Totally. totally. Yeah. So you can do with an existing character what you can do with a new character. You mm-hmm. just tweak their personalities and their backgrounds in a certain way. Well, there's so much that hasn't been brought out about Colin. You know, he could be an alien from Mars for all we know. (laughs) That might be interesting. Nobody knows about what the background is of this guy, of this person. So there is a lot of canvas there. Yeah. And if they would, you know, if they would do that, and it would be a good time. I mean, there's, I mean, Jack's up to his neck, and they're doing that whole thing now. And yeah, it would be a good time because everybody is kind of on edge right now. You know, Victor wants to get Jack. Jack wants to get Victor. Phyllis is involved. You know, Jill get in there because Billy's in there. And I mean, it's a yep. good time. But we'll see what we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, are there any projects that you can share with us that we can? Look forward Nothing to that seeing I can actually you in... talk about at the moment, no. Okay, um, all right. But trust me, when a lot of these things firm up, I'll be talking about them. Oh, fantastic. Well, we want to thank you for being with us today. It was a pleasure as usual. Thank and, you. Um, uh, and we will talk to you again, obviously. You're, you're welcome back anytime. Thank and you. Oh, you're welcome. And um, just just hang hang for a second uh, while I close out the show. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day, and um, remember to watch Tristan on the Bay on Amazon Prime.